This week's episode of our adjustment series focuses on goal line and short yardage. In watching games from every level, the first thing that's evident is that more teams are going for it on fourth down more often. I'll see if I can find some stats on that for 2021, but at all levels, this appears to be true. In watching games this weekend, I also spotted some areas where simple adjustments, either to alignment or strategy, could be helpful. So let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Conventional thinking on the goal line is to get your line foot to foot and wedge forward with all the force that can be generated. The cliche is if you can't get a yard, then you don't deserve to win. Of course, this counts on your big guys being able to beat their big guys to get the necessary push to get the running back or the quarterback over the goal line. You're going to have to get some movement there. Stalemates don't help you push that line of scrimmage. In reality, though, some teams are just not well-suited to do that. I know there's a lot of teams out there with smaller or undersized linemen that are reliant on, on some distortion schemes to be able to move the football forward, so that line of thinking doesn't necessarily work on the goal line. Some of the best offensive teams in football are relying on a strategy that uh, to get those last couple yards or convert that short-yarded situation, whether that be on fourth down or third down, that it boils down to where do you want to run that, all right? The strategy of getting it forward and getting that surge is important, but it boils down to a numbers preference. Do you want to pack all 22 players into a small area and see who gets the better push in what becomes like a rugby scrum, or do you want those numbers and leverage to be a little bit more favorable? Two teams that I've seen do this often are the Rams and the Patriots, and they show the ability to do the latter when necessary. They move their wedge play from right over the ball, packed in tightly, to out on the edge with more space to defend and less numbers to defend it. I'll get some video of this up on our blog this week, so you'll be able to see it. I've also written an article, which I'll link in the show notes. I think it's on American Football International. I've put it over there. Uh, So you can see the video over there as well. But what this works out to be is you take trips receivers to one side. Two of those guys are coming off the ball and blocking right away. The other guy is going to motion in from the outside about a yard or two behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to get a quick pass from the quarterback, and he's going to get vertical right away between those two guys. So you end up having essentially what becomes like having a linebacker in the middle over top, But now instead of those really tight areas inside, we've spread that out a little bit and we have more favorable matchups. So there's certainly some things you could do to help this. And that's what I want to cover right here. So the execution relies on specific footwork and timing from the quarterback and the receiver. If the offensive line can't allow penetration, then that's all the blocking that's necessary because the ball will be out in about 0.7 seconds. And just about any offensive line should be able to do that. The play must be set up according to the throwing hand of the quarterback. I believe this to be true. Now, I've seen teams do it opposite, but if you really want to get this ball out consistently, then I suggest doing it this way. So if he's right-handed, the ball should be thrown to the left. If it's a lefty, then throw it to the right for maximum efficiency. So as I said, the play is going to start with a motion in by the receiver. This isn't window dressing as it serves a specific purpose, both from the technical and the tactical standpoint. So from the tactical standpoint, 
the motion in will loosen that defensive back over the motion player. He has no choice to do that because he's going to go around those other two guys who are right there on the line of scrimmage. He's not going to go in front of them and risk getting picked right there. So he has to go behind. And this is enough to make him really a non-factor in the play. The ball should be snapped with the motion man about a yard or two outside of the number two receiver. On the snap, he should continue towards the quarterback, catching the ball in between two and three. Now, really, they've become one and two. He's going to be in the middle, but two and three who are in the original alignment. Uh, The ball should be from middle to upfield on his frame. So if you're thinking about this, he's facing the quarterback who's opening right towards him. He's perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, and we want that ball to be on his upfield or his goal line half of his frame, allowing him to plant off of his back foot and get vertical immediately towards the goal line. From a thought process, now he really becomes a dive back on a wedge, looking to get into that tight lane that's being created by the receivers. And while it may be intriguing for him to look for space inside or outside, he needs to have a straight-ahead fullback mentality, right? That's what he's becoming. If you had a fullback who could do that and is somewhat dynamic, he might be your guy to do it. But would be any receiver who's really going to be be tough, gritty. He's going to stick that foot in the ground and get downhill now at essentially what has become a dive play out on the perimeter. The quarterback will get the snap, and he's going to step backward one step with his throwing side foot. So if he's a righty, his right foot is going back, and he's going to open that left hip or his opposite hip to throw to the middle to the upfield half of that receiver. The two blocking receivers are looking to take that lane half of their defenders. In other words, get slightly inside of them and try to drive them out of that lane. So they want to offset them slightly with the outside receiver getting his outside eye to the defender's inside eye while the inside receiver gets his inside eye to the defender's outside eye. When you think about the alignment on this typical play and what they may be trying to take away from you, all right, with that guy motioning in now, most likely that guy is going to try to at least get head up to maybe even outside to not allow the new number one to go to a fade, right? He wants to take that away. And the guy who's been on the inside has really been positioning himself to take away any kind of slant inside, right? So we're assuming they play three over three over there. That's what he's going to want to take away. So now they're positioned perfectly for your blockers to really get the side of them and block that that lane side half of the defender. They need to close that space quickly, coming to balance, keeping their cleats in the ground with a good base, and gaining leverage with the hips driving their hands. I have some examples of this with the Patriots and the Rams running that play, and uh, there is another one, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, when, when he was running it uh, with the Saints, executes it in about a point. 7-5 from snap to release to the to the same side. So, you know, he's a very dynamic quarterback. I, I think it does take some adjustment and footwork because now you have to really, you know, flip that hip and get that other hip, other foot forward where I'm just putting my foot in the ground, opening my hips and throwing opposite of my throw side hand, I think is going to be the most efficient for your quarterback. So let's think about the other things in this play that those, that personnel out there, those two receivers, 
Um, they could be tight ends, right? You could, if your tight ends are your best blockers, you could put them out there. It doesn't have to be, right? You, you should get at least a, a, a matchup that's going to be neutral in terms of size, right? Your receivers probably are as big as them, but you really you want those gritty receivers, the guys who are going to be the best at, at really getting in there, getting forward at those guys and, and blocking them so that that guy can run that dive play into the end zone. So I think it's a tremendous way of looking at instead of running this ball inside where maybe I don't have that advantage, maybe I don't have the guys who can really get that push I need to get in the end zone and I'm running that play now to the outside, right? So it's something to think about. I think it's a really good adjustment in this case. So another adjustment to this, if you feel that maybe your quarterback isn't well-suited to get that leg drive going forward, maybe he's just not as strong, he's not as big of a player, whatever it might be. If he's not certain, certainly going to get the ball into the end zone, right? It's not a definite, then you want to look at something different here. So maybe you get a different guy in to run that quarterback sneak. Now, the problem with that is I think it's a dead giveaway. When that guy comes in, they run quarterback sneak. So maybe you get away with it once. Maybe that's all you need to get you over the top in that game, but uh, you know that, that might not get it done for you. But I did see a very creative answer from Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers last night. And so earlier in the game, they put Trey Lance in at quarterback. It was at the end of the first half. They had a couple yards to go. And Lance was in to execute a QB sneak, sweep, not a sneak, a sweep, and got in for the touchdown. I'm going to talk about what they did there because I think it's another great adjustment, kind of a modern adjustment to something that was has been around for a long time. But, um, you know, the the thing that first came to mind when they put that set in on a, on a third down or a fourth down, I think they were going fourth and short, was that, okay, Lance is in, he's going to run the ball just like he did on the goal line. But what happened is that Kyle Juszczyk motioned in, their fullback, right? Motions in, he's coming across, looks like he's going to go across and maybe block that other edge. He just stops right there at the center, puts his hands under really quick. The ball snapped before the defense could react, and he surges forward on the quarterback sneak for the first down. It was, it was really easy yards, right? They completely were caught off guard. So I love that one. Can you get away with it all the time? No, I think you're going to have to treat it like a, a trick play. And I certainly do think some things can come off of that as well, right? So you can get creative with that package. I love what they did with it. Uh, another way of handling the situation would be how uh, Stanford used to do it. Now the head coach, Mike Bloomgren, who was the offensive line coach there for uh, Stanford, He's the head coach at Rice now, and his line coach, Sanders Davis, has kind of take, taken over this. And I think they have some of the most unique uh, formations and a set of strategies and techniques that go along with it for them to be able to power the ball into the, the end zone. And if you've seen it before, I mean, they're, they're in that root hog type of stance, really low down to the ground. Uh, their, their thought is they're going to use that low stance and kind of drive everything out of there and um, I think it's very unique. I had Coach Davis on the podcast uh, you know, earlier in 2021 talking about exactly this. So if you want to hear about those techniques, that's going to be in the show notes. And then uh, another famous video that's been all over the internet is from when Alex Gibbs is talking about the outside zone play. And then he teaches what he calls the truck play, which was essentially a toss with the receiver motioning in and cracking and the running back getting to the perimeter uh, 
using pin and pull blocking. And it's essentially, like I said, what Trey Lance did with the Niners on on that fourth and goal. So, you know, another thing too, can, can you get the angles that you want? Are they packed inside so you can block down, pull some guys out on the edge, and get your running back into the end zone, right? So 49ers, again, doing kind of a modern version of that, more the Wildcat, and, and getting their quarterback into the end zone with that concept. So whether you do something spread out with an easy throw like a pick, again, I'd watch the 49ers. They do an excellent job. Had some nice plays on short yardage situations where they did that. Or if you're a team that's going to pack it in and run that quarterback sneak or maybe a fullback dive play, you want to have the specific plays that you're going to work. And you want to rep those again and again and understand the little adjustments you need to win in those situations and score or to keep the chains moving, right? What can you do, again, to be creative? A little creative, like like I mentioned in that example with the 49ers. So on the defensive side, I've really seen far too many teams just stay in their base defensive alignment in these situations, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking, um, you know, some college. Uh, I've definitely seen that uh, at the high school level. And I think you have to change what you're doing here, right? They're, the offense is just looking, where's the bubble? I'm going to run to that there. So uh, the simplest answer you have is to gap out that offensive lineman. In other words, put a man in every gap. And in uh, the classic football movie, All the Right Moves, this was what they called the 6-2 stack monster that Coach Burt Nickerson played by Craig T. Nelson used. Yeah, I know that it's fictional, but uh, Noel Mazzoni brought it up the other day on a podcast maybe a couple weeks ago as uh, as a way to do that. But whether it's the 6-2 or you look at getting into – um, a bare front, you know, tight threes with the nose, really covering up those inside gaps, taking those away. Um, but I do think, you know, looking at, you know, running something like a 6-5 and, and again, gapping those guys out, having good support on the edges, uh, guys who are going to man up on maybe a pop pass to the tight end. If, if they're going to pack it in, this could be an answer for you. You need to understand certainly what the other team's going to do. I know sometimes it's hard to get a feel for that because maybe there's not a lot of this on video. Um, but I think at the very least, if you have this in your package that you're going to gap out, you're going to penetrate, you're going to get everything plugged up, right? You, the point is you do want to get inside very tight and plug up that, that, those gaps with your defensive line. Penetrate low through the gap, like a root hog technique. I was mentioning that, that Rice does on the offensive side of the ball certainly would work here. It forces that running back to either try to go up and over the top where he should be met by one of your linebackers doing the exact same thing, or he's going to bounce it out, which is exactly what you want in these situations. Now, you know, going over the top, I, I, I don't know a lot of young running backs who are really effective at that. I don't necessarily think that's the, the safest technique either uh, at the, the younger levels. Um, it's something you want to think about, but you know, if, if the defense is gapping you out, going back to the offense, how are you going to handle that, right? Uh, you need to expect what that might be on the defensive side of the ball. There's going to be a limited set of, of answers that they can do in there. And I think not just repping those plays because it's hard for you to get those plays, which are heavy contact plays, especially as the season goes on, and rep those again and again. You're going to want to work on the technique. Uh, Coach Coach Davis talked about that on that podcast that I linked in the show notes um, with kind of that root hog technique. I think it applies to the defensive side of the ball at all. But you want to work the technique 
figure out how you're going to handle those situations. And then I think it just becomes a walkthrough, making sure that you're sound on all their assignments and kind of handling those what ifs. But I've seen far too many situations. I could think of a high school game in particular that I was watching this weekend where uh, they needed to to stop them. It was a certainly a, a run the clock out situation. If they got the first down, the game's over. And I look and I see two high safeties and I don't understand, you know, what are you doing in that situation? I think you need to, it's one of those things, you're going to pick your poison. I'd rather sell out and stuff that run and chance that maybe they try to throw the ball over the top because I've got a better chance that's a lower percentage of them making it than if if they're running the football there. So I would take my chances. Now, I've, I've certainly seen teams do that. I can remember, man, I think it was back in the 90s and Mac Brown at Texas I can't remember if it was a fourth and one or a third and one, um, but they put the ball up in the air and, and sealed up the game on a touchdown. Now, a lot of people are not willing to take that risk. So in knowing that, I think, how are you going to get your defense down, pack those gaps so you could get the ball back in that situation or so you know you stop them from scoring, whatever it might be. Those are things I think you have to look at and you have to have in your package. It doesn't mean you make a living on it. But what are you going to do to stop those things? And I think you need to be willing to look at who's your personnel. You know, your guy who's maybe not mobile and can't run sideline to sideline might be an extremely good gap plugger where we're only talking about, you know, one yard to six inches, whatever it might be, uh, that we just want him to penetrate and really stuff that offensive lineman so they're not getting any yards, right? Penetration is going to kill any type of play up the middle, and that's has to be the aim right there. Certainly, you're going to have to work to contain those edges. You want to have some guys out there who are able to do that and, and be prepared. Maybe they're going to pull some big guys out uh, and, and block out there. I know definitely I saw some big guys um, rolling some corners on those short-yarded situations I mentioned uh, earlier from some of those NFL games. So think about what you're going to do there then. you know How are you going to stop that team that is going to throw – that dive play out on the edge. What's going to be the technique there, right? Those guys need to get some work on when they see those kinds of situations, really being able to see ball out and redirect. Now, the tough part, which is why I like this for the offense, if they're playing man, their eyes are on the receiver. Their eyes are not on the quarterback, right? Really, really kind of a tough thing there. Um, The only thing I would suggest is somebody's got to be yelling ball, right? Those guys got to know ball's out right? Maybe they see it in their peripheral and really attack where that ball might go. But it's a situation there. You know, again, you want to work. And then the picks. And I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago uh, to to keep from getting picked, you don't want your guys all on the same level, right? If you have two guys who are, are parallel with each other, same distance off of those receivers, you're really setting yourself up to be picked. When you play them off, you can work some different kinds of techniques. You can get over a guy and make that play. You know, Put your guys in situations there where they're going to be best suited to execute and win on those plays. So then the last would be the special teams side of the ball. And with the move to the shield punts, I think the, the thing that the shield punt does is it does take away those short yardage plays. Because most of the guys who are in on the shield punt seem to be those big offensive line types who, you know, are not used to handling the ball. So what can you do in those situations? I mean, I've seen it time and again, 
you know, especially with those teams who like to, to spread out in those situations. I mean, you do have almost like a power eye backfield right there that if you snap the ball to somebody, you could take those two lead blockers and get them downhill now. A lot of times there's safeties and linebackers there who are lined up in a two-point stance. And if you have a yard or two to go running, maybe a, you know, a, a, a play where they're kicking out and leading up through, you know, and helping the guy who's the blocker there could be a situation where you can get those extra yards. So I do think, you know, you need to look at those opportunities. I think it can catch people off guard. I know one of our favorite fake punts was just to snap to the up back and either run a trap or a dive. We, we became a zone team, so we would run some little zone schemes in there as well and let that guy get forward for the yardage that he needs, right? It's, it's that element of surprise but the ability to get that ball downhill quickly. So you do face the situation if you've put three linemen in there because you want the bigger bodies, uh, who's going to handle the ball? Doesn't mean you can't sneak in maybe a tight end in that situation where he could get the ball, right? They're going to have to recognize somebody's different in here really quick. But if he's a bigger guy, that might help. Uh, or you train one of those guys up. I know there's a lot of athletic linemen out there who would love to be able to do that and you do run into that situation where you might have a 280-pound guy uh, who a 190-pound or 200-pound kid's trying to tackle, right? So I do think it still could work. So something you want to think about there on the special team side of things when you get into those short-yarded situations that you have some kind of downhill run, snap to the up back that allow you to be successful in those situations. Um, which goes to the other side, if you are a team in that situation, uh, you I think you want to make sure you have some maybe linebacker types in there that could stop those guys in the middle, right? I know a lot of times it's changing those guys out so you could get the guys running downfield to make those blocks against usually some of the better cover guys who are on uh, the punt side of the ball. So, you know, look at those matchups. Maybe it, it's something you want adjusted in those situations. I know a lot of teams will leave their defense in in short yarded situations to stop them exactly there and play play punt safe. Now, the, the difficult part is they want to spread out and, um, you know, give you those gaps. But now if you sit there, you know, what are they going to do? They can only throw the ball to eligible receivers, so you only need to cover down eligibles. And if it means maybe you're not going to get a return, but you're still getting that ball back, it's not a bad situation, right? So things to think about, adjustments you can make. In the short yarded goal line situations, hopefully you find some of those helpful. I'm always looking for new ones, new and creative ways. If you have those, certainly reach out to me. Uh, follow me on Twitter. You can get me there on DMs at Coach K Grabowski. And follow all we're doing this season, in season, at CoachAndCoordinator.com. Coach and Coordinator.com.